0: The Fire Within Podcast. You need a sustainable plan, the right mindset, and the knowledge and inspiration to stoke the fire within. Just like the Phoenix, you can burn your old habits, never turn back, and emerge completely anew. There are no shortcuts.
1: Welcome, Fire Within Nation. This is the Fire Within Podcast, where we talk about all things health, nutrition, and fitness related. I'm your host, Brandon, with my co host, Joe. Hello. Today, we have a special guest all the way from Texas. We have a former coworker of mine, a good colleague, good mentor, Paul Bangs. Did I say it right? You did. First, tell us about yourself.
2: I'm in the health and nutrition space. I've known Brandon for several years. We work together in training, and I've been in health and nutrition for probably about 12 years now. And I started off as just a trainer, kind of getting into the business. So I was doing some group fitness and one day decided that I wanted to make a bigger impact and do this full-time. Over the years have specialized, people know me around the Lifetime Clubs as the heart, one of the heart rate guys. And I work a lot with metabolic testing with people. So that has a ton to do with nutrition. Refer to the nutrition sometimes as the energy in and the metabolic testing that I do as the energy out. Whether it's a resting test and testing your Just your resting metabolism and and what, what type of calories you burn all day, every day. And then, of course, like the active testing where what kind of calories are you burning while you're actually being active and exercising. So, I've done that for years.
1: Awesome. And we haven't really covered a lot on metabolism and metabolic testing in terms of, of exercise and things like that on the show. So tell us a little bit about how the test works I mean, how we can use th- that type of testing and how we can use that information to impact their decisions with exercise, nutrition, and intensity rates.
2: Absolutely. I think a lot of people don't understand metabolism very well at all. They'll utilize a heart rate monitor when they're working out, and they will uh, very specifically state, "I burned this many calories when I was working out today." And it's just a huge estimate on that heart rate monitor, that Apple Watch, or, or whatever it is that you're utilizing. There are so many decisions that we make throughout our lives that affect how our metabolism works all day, every day, from, starting with the food that we eat. And I know that you talk about that quite a bit here, and I like to talk to, to people about how the choices you make actually affect your metabolism. I'm sure you've probably heard, or Joe, you've probably heard before people come up and talk to you about, well, I just have a slow metabolism. I got the, the short end of the stick on that, right?
0: Now, I always hear that people say that they lose it like when they hit 30. And then right. my metabolism vanished in the night.
1: They're <laughs> <laughs> still eating garbage. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely
0: and, uh, and and a lot of
2: times i'll hear that around they'll notice the effects of that around 40 and and they'll come up and they'll talk about um i just woke up one day and bam and and i like to say that your body's the titanic it wants to achieve what's called homeostasis which means stay the same and, and it fights you as you make poor decision after poor decision in many cases many americans we know make those poor decisions throughout their lives and it's, it's really that one day between 30 and 40, probably you wake up and look in the mirror and go, wow, the effects of all of those thousands upon thousands of decisions, the Titanic has turned and it doesn't, it's not going the direction that I want it to go. It's very noticeable now where one small decision won't noticeably change that as your body tries to keep you going in the right direction. And this is why so many times people get frustrated with exercise too they put that heart rate monitor on and they go out and they do a bout of exercise and go, I burned 600 calories. I really crushed it today. I did a thousand calories and they go look in the mirror and you know, nothing looks different.
1: Uh-uh. Now as part of that, not all calories come from the same place and that's where that metabolic testing and heart rate zone thing comes in.
2: Absolutely. And, and part of it is do is, is, again, the body wants to achieve homeostasis. Now as I start to try to ramp something up and, and burn a lot of calories, Just like the body fought, maybe gaining a lot of weight, or or maybe that's what you're seeing in the mirror, it always wants to negate those really large changes that are happening. Imagine if you were dropped onto a deserted island like Tom Hanks, right? Initially, your body's gonna burn more calories because you're running around and you're trying to do all these things and you're really stressed out. What's gonna happen over time is you're gonna be really happy about it that your body is gonna throttle back on burning the amount of calories that you're burning on that island, hopefully in the hopes that one day a ship comes by and you're still alive to see it come by and light a fire, Yeah, right?
1: Yeah, so it sounds like uh, maybe what you're pointing at is a lot of people over-exercise or or their intensity's too high.
2: Absolutely, especially when they first start. And of course, when we're we're talking about lifting or something, we see poor form and we see uh, sometimes injuries. But at, at the same time, even in the cardiovascular space, we'll see people burn way too many basically intense calories all the time we hear about the only thing i do is hit training or I, I i just got on that 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 peloton and just just crushed it today and you end up putting a huge dent in your carb stores and then what happens is, is a little bit later today you're craving that giant plate of macaroni and cheese,
1: right? So hormonally things are all kinds of crazy. Um, And we do talk a lot about hormones. And since I just brought that up, you're actually the person who got me to look at how a detox can be helpful. I was vehemently against them. I thought they were absolute nonsense and I'm hard headed and it probably took you about three months of explaining this thing to me. I go, holy shit, this is amazing. Um, so this really makes a difference and it's changing lives. So talk to us a little bit about, we did a whole episode on detox, but what is the detox trying to do hormonally and how that corresponds with metabolism and why it's such a big deal?
2: A detox is really just trying to reset the way that your body is supposed to be working. In fact, I I heard you talk on one of your recent podcasts. I think it was one on the the fat episode, right? And you're talking a lot about those blood sugar fluctuations. And a detox really helps with controlling those blood sugar fluctuations. So if we're getting those controlled, we're going to start to have better insulin sensitivity and response. We're going to start to see more normal cortisol patterns. But there are many things in a detox besides just the food component that actually play into this as well you'll know that we talk about being active and getting the lymph moving through the system you'll notice that we talk a lot about sleep to make sure that we're getting that parasympathetic response that we need there's so many other components in a a detox that help with so many of the other hormonal imbalances That we create over time with decisions that we don't think about certain types of, you know, household cleaners that we're utilizing or the chemicals that are in some of the foods that we eat, that once we get that reset and we get into that more natural state, then the body can actually perform how it's supposed to. And this is why people will many times see a lot less puffiness. They'll feel a lot more energy. I had one lady tell me one time about if I had known that this is all I had to do to be able to sleep. She says, I've been going to sleep studies and I've been fighting with this for years. And she goes, wow, like my life has changed. I have spent hours and thousands of dollars on trying to sleep better. And all I, I, all I had to do was just make some, some better decisions with my life with what I was eating and what I'm doing.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Now, going back to the exercise side of things, we talked about too much intensity, bring, uh, wrong types of calories. Mm-hmm especially in COVID times where people don't have access to a lot, how can we figure out proper exercise intensity? How do we judge that?
2: Proper exercise intensity is different for pretty much everybody, which is why we did a lot of testing. So if someone hasn't been exercising much because they are not able to, or maybe they're out there and they're just starting on this journey, I think one of the best things that people can do is, it's it's very similar to nutrition. when On our first coaching sessions, what's one of the first things that we have people do is maybe start on a multivitamin, right? It's easy. You need these nutrients. We know we have a long journey ahead of us to be able to eat healthy. Let's start off with a easy win, right? And it's the same thing with exercise. Let's start off with an easy win and shoot, let's get you outside and, and go for a walk every day. We can maybe start to add in something else after that. Maybe some jogging or maybe some simple weight exercises or some body weight exercises. Of course, if you can't get to the gym, like here in North Carolina, it is one of those things though, that once you have started on your journey, on your plan, it's, it's the consistency that's, that's going to be the key and make something into a habit. Once it's a habit. Then we can start to add a, a bit more complexity to it rather than add all the complexity at the beginning and, oh, I need this squat rack and I have to, I have to deadlift and I have to, you know, do the, this many sets. And I've got my entire plan laid out in front of me. If you've never exercised, like that's not going to do you any good. You're just going to get lost.
1: Yeah. And it'll last about two weeks and then you'll either get injured or quit. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so a more gradual approach to keep it sustainable. Mm-hmm. So that rings a bell with the show, so that's good.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what about those, because I've seen them pop up a lot, and I've been to them a couple times, but that Orange Theory fitness kind of thing, because uh-huh. they do a big heart rate monitor. They do. It goes along with it. And and I think I have a, a higher heart rate because I was always above the thing or mm-hmm. just terribly out of shape when Absolutely. I was doing it. And they were always like, slow down. Or maybe I was just not paying attention and I should have. I was just working out too hard.
2: Right. So Orange Theory... The concept of Orange Theory is great, okay? The component that they don't have that I was able to do thousands of is the actual individual testing. So you'll go to Orange Theory and they ask you several questions, right? How yeah. old are you? What What's your gender? A little bit about what's your exercise history probably, right?
0: The same thing that Apple Watch asks you. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. <laughs> okay, and then they came up with some heart rate zones for you, right? Yeah. Okay, so that's basically saying that You're like every other male in the world that is your age. And does that make sense to you?
0: Yeah, probably not. No, absolutely not. (laughs) So now
2: you have this generic heart rate zone that's up on this big monitor and you're exercising and they're telling you to slow down or they're telling you to speed up. Yeah, I'm sure there were other people in your classes that could never get into their orange zone or whatever it was uh, supposed to be. And and this is where every single person is unique. So we know that, that taking the same nutrition approach, with one person as opposed to another person is you're not going to get the same results. It's going to be the same thing with exercise and our heart rates are going to be different. Being able to test and understand where you should be and what is progress for you? Because that's the other big component of this is if I'm going to get tested for a heart rate, it doesn't stay the same. Hopefully in your journey, you're becoming healthier, correct? Yeah. So that means that your heart is getting also better at its job. And so, as your heart becomes stronger and it becomes more efficient at pumping blood, then guess what? It actually changes the actual heart rate at the intensity that you're at because it does not have to beat as many times per minute to pump the same volume of blood that it was before because your heart is now stronger. It's like your bicep might be stronger.
1: So, in theory, heart rate going down for the same intensity, of exercise would be a sign of improvement. Absolutely. Yeah. So trying to keep it at that generic heart rate all the time doesn't really make a whole lot of sense.
2: No. What you find yeah. is that you have to work harder and harder and harder to try to achieve that heart rate again. And that leads to, to people adding way too much intensity into their exercise without taking into account that my cardiovascular system is actually performing much better. Yeah. And this is where retesting in the future to redetermine where is my efficiency at, is extremely important. Just like retesting on anything that you do.
1: Yeah. So if people don't have access to testing, the only good the heart rate can do them is, is to create a baseline that they can compare to at the same intensity.
2: Absolutely. What, what yeah. I like to do for people is because we like to have the same types of, you have to repeat the same thing, right? So even if I don't have access to, to testing, what could I do to determine if I'm improving or not, and and maybe if my heart rate zones themselves have changed and and we can do something like a real simple like a five minute treadmill test where what you can do is you, is you go through a warm up and then and let your heart rate come down a little bit and then do like a five minute distance test. How far can I go tracking your heart rate the entire time? And what you'll find is that if you've been, properly training your cardiovascular system in your exercise, that not only will you probably go farther, let's say three months later, but you'll go farther and your heart rate will be significantly lower than it was before. And from that, you'll be able to determine, hey, my max heart rate was lower. What was my kind of estimated anaerobic threshold during that time? And and you can readjust your heart rate zones a little bit on your own maybe put into your Apple watch or, or your Garmin watch or whatever it is that you're using your new estimated threshold. And, and now I can get a little bit more accurate intensity meter on my exercise, let's say. I can also see that, hey, I am improving or nothing changed. I was doing something wrong. Or maybe my heart rate was higher. Why was my body even more stressed during this exercise than it was the first time that I did it? And many times that could be a cause of overtraining or severe undertraining. Imagine like the guy who hasn't done anything in three months and then jumps on that treadmill. God, why was my heart rate higher? I was higher because you haven't done anything and your heart just freaked out. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah.
0: <clears throat> Have you ever felt like you were just throwing weights around like an idiot at the gym, hoping to see some results? Or after weeks or months of working out, notice that the scale just isn't moving? You wouldn't cook without a recipe. So, why would you train or start a weight loss program like the Swedish chef randomly throwing ingredients into a pot? You need a sustainable plan that's science based and attainable. Fire Within has worked with thousands of clients and helped them reach their goals. So, visit firewithinnf.com today. Get yourself the free ebook read the testimonials, and choose a service that works for you. Choose from services like one-on-one nutrition coaching, one-on-one personal training, and more. Again, that's firewithinnf.com. The views and opinions expressed on this show are not meant to be used as medical advice. Consult your doctor before implementing any health or exercise changes. The Fire Within encourages you to do your own research and aims to spark interest and motivation to a healthier lifestyle.
1: Now, let's talk troubleshooting. Everybody I've ever met with, I can't remember except maybe two clients that didn't have a goal of weight loss of some sort. Mm-hmm. So, people start exercising, they start to see progress, and now they're stuck and they plateau. What's some areas they should look at with their training and their eating to figure out why they're stuck and, and how can they get uh, that motion going again? The first thing
2: is, like I said, everybody's going to be unique and different. And so, this is really where your clients may have to produce some records. What have they been doing? What, what have I been, been eating? There can be so many things that can affect that. And maybe your client hasn't been sleeping well or they're stressed out because this whole COVID situation and I haven't been able to work for a while and, and that can offset so many of these gains. So this is really where we're having a workout partner or a professional that you're working with, especially who's been trained in this, can really have that other set of eyes Uh, on this because in so many cases for us looking at ourselves, we see what we want to see. It's it's very similar to reading a a news article on say like the COVID situation. If you're a, if you're an anti-masker or if you're a pro-masker, like you'll take out of that exact same article exactly what you wanted because there'll be a couple sentences that'll talk about this and you'll be like, see, look at that. Yeah. You know, and then the same thing with, with the, the person who's against it and they go, yeah, but this also said that is not effective in many cases. And so this is really where you have to have the that, that other set of eyes that's, that's very objective, that's looking at you from an outside point.
1: That's where a coach or trainer could really make a difference. Absolutely. But what you pointed out a second ago was if you don't have any kind of baseline record of what you've been doing, you don't know what to change. Absolutely. Um, You just keep
2: changing things and hoping for the best. I just drove from Texas back to North Carolina a couple of days ago, and I just got in my car and I started driving. I ended up in North Carolina. You have to have a a path planned out. And and if I do have a path planned out and I've been following that path, then I can look at that path now and go, wow, I ended up in Minnesota. I was taking the wrong path and I need to make some changes. And now I kind of know where can I start to make some of those fundamental changes. But if I've just been driving around randomly, I don't even know what I have been doing that's positive or what's negative, is very hard to figure that out. Yeah.
1: So then two takeaways would be to journal what you're doing and, and make sure you understand what the heck you have been doing uh, Be and make sure it's an honest record and make sure there's some sort of plan moving forward. What kind of things are you journaling? Because everybody says journal. Like how specific, if somebody
0: came in and they were the ideal client, what does that journal look like?
1: At 3.17, I spent 11 minutes biting my nails. <laughs> 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 I noticed they were getting really close to the cuticle. <laughs> No. I'll let Paul take
2: that. It really depends at the level that your client is at. Okay. There are some people that journal way too much. Okay. That can be extremely overwhelming.
0: It's a lot of time commitment to journal thoroughly. It
2: is. You can get caught up in the details. And I know people that, that literally journal um, their food every single day. You know, they get on MyFitnessPal or whatever it is. and And they're just every single thing. And they're counting those calories and they're, they're, I did lose weight or I didn't lose weight or this or that. And sometimes that can be stressful and too much. It's the same with exercise, but you have to be able to understand what am I trying to achieve with my exercise? If, if it is weight loss, is my exercise geared towards weight loss or is it geared towards you know, be, you know, what I did in high school football? And um, So
1: you want to journal things specific to your goal? Absolutely. Uh, so if it's weight loss, uh, definitely journal what you're eating. Uh, maybe sleep patterns mm-hmm. uh, and just generic exercise. You don't have to right. be like I did 11 reps on the right bicep. And when I got to the left, I was only able to do 10. It right. just be, I did 30 minutes of weight training. And then how consistent are you? And then if things plateau, you can look back in the journals and see where you missed something.
2: One more thing that I think is really important that I like for, peop- for, well, for clients that I work with to be able to tell me as well is how they felt that day. Yeah. How did you feel when you woke up in the morning? How did you feel in the afternoon? And how did you feel in the evening? And these can be like, oh, I felt pretty good or I felt happy or I I really was just dragging from the moment I got up this morning. And and now we can go back and we can look at the several days before. And be like, wow, that hit hit training combined with that super low-carb diet, that, that <laughs> big board meeting that you had, all those things put together were probably, there's too much, you know, high stress huh. know, in there.
1: Now, that's a really good point is when coming up with exercise intensities and programs, you have to think about other aspects of your life, like uh, work intensity. You know, I know when we used to take people through the detox program, we would always tell them, "Don't do this if you're working on a big project with work. It's not the time." So I guess t- taking into account lifestyle and other stressors, HIT training is not for everybody. But that makes a lot of sense. That way we make sure adrenal glands aren't being fried and, and they get some good right. recovery and things like that. Absolutely.
2: One body, it all ties together. E- in even going to a sickness, and there's so many people that will have a cold or they'll have high allergies at a certain time of year. And just remember that those are adding some stresses onto your body as it deals with either a chronic or an, an acute situation at that point. And so many times you'll see the, the hardcore member that's just, I'm just going to push through this thing And this was the plan that I had laid out. So therefore I can't make any adaptations to my plan like your body's going to adapt and, and and it's going to pull resources from somewhere and it might be from your workout and you might be getting pissed off because I didn't get all of my sets in because I just couldn't do it today.
1: Yeah, that's how I was with running. And I was no matter, I followed different plans and I go, no, I'm supposed to do, I was trying to qualify for Boston and I would force my body to do it. And then I ended up with knee surgery, piriformis issues. I had this death cold where I ended up crying in a bathtub and then going to the ER are because it was 11 degrees and at five in the morning, I said, no, I'm supposed to do uh, mile repeats and they have to be sub sevens. And I forced myself to do it. And I ended up with the most horrendous chest cold of my life. And I'm like, no, but that's what the plan says. So absolutely.
2: Yeah. Your body will pull some of that, some of those energy resources from your immune system, Yeah. which of course during this time we all know, Hey, that's probably not the best thing with some of the, some of these, you know, novel viruses floating around out there.
1: Yeah, you know? maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> So I think listening to your body and then taking into account everything going on and monitoring how are you recovering would be a good thing to journal.
2: Absolutely. Um, but that's why, I like, that's why I like the feeling component of that journal as well. And it's like I said, it's really simple. You can put like a happy face. I felt really good today. or And, and this is where sometimes depression can come in as well. We know that that's highly tied to the foods that we eat in many cases. And this can get start to give us clues like, hey, we're starting to notice that every time that you eat this or maybe that we go too hard and exercise that these types of things are happening several days down the line. And without that, that insight is very hard to understand. What do I need to change? Otherwise, we're just grasping at straws and we're picking different things. And, and it's like that person driving around in the car, hoping to get to North Carolina and they end up in Michigan.
1: Yeah, exactly. All right. Those that are following along and making their checklist. So uh, a plan is good. So we know what direction we're going. Mm -hmm. We want to journal at least things important to our goal, like sleep, what we're eating, exercise intensities, how we feel. Mm -hmm. And then just journaling does nothing. We want to use that information to be able to pivot and make changes.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: All right. So
2: this is, this is where you can actually start to see some of those adaptations that'll come along as well without being able to be metabolically tested. If you're feeling better and if you're, you have more energy for your workouts, and it, like we know that you're probably going more in the right direction than in the wrong direction because your body will literally give you signs. That you were going in the wrong direction. We just so many times blow through those stop signs because I formulated something or I decided it's January 1st and I'm going and this is it. And then we just blow through stop sign after stop sign until your body literally says, okay, but I, I can make you stop. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, sitting in a bathtub.
1: It, that's, <laughs> it literally took that crying in a bathtub at the ER begging for a Z Pack that I probably didn't need. I just okay. needed to take a freaking rest. Oh, yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Now, what got you personally into fitness and making changes? What's your backstory?
2: I was, I had, I had done some different things. I worked in, in sales and I worked in hotel sales and and I worked in finance sales as well. And I really enjoyed what I was doing a day every month. That was like when I got paid, you know, yeah. I was like, Ooh, I could do this for another month for this paycheck, you yeah. know? And, and my wife was a, a professional athlete. She was uh, a basketball player, and, and she it was very important for her to stay healthier. I think at the time, more important to her than it was to me. And at one point, she said, hey, I've got to sign up for the gym because I feel like it's you know, really important to go back to the gym. and And we both got involved in different areas of the gym. But then we started to go to each other's things, and, and one of my big things was as I liked going to the cycle classes, and yep. and this is really where my fascination with heart rate, and some of the other things, started to were really coming into into fruition at that point. And we both ended up becoming instructors of multiple formats, actually, strength training, uh, cardio formats, and such. And, and eventually, as as I really enjoyed impacting people. In that way, I thought this is so much more fulfilling than what I was doing at the time, and the financial crisis in you know two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight helped further yeah. this along a little bit into getting more and more into the space more quickly, and so that's what kind of led me into this, and I enjoy going to work and helping people to not only become healthier but to understand how to maintain that health. I think in a way, i've always I've always been like a data geek and help people understand that. And a big thing to me is helping people to understand why I might eat this way rather than the person who says, hey, I just want a meal plan. Tell me what to eat. I like that's that's the what and then we can get into the how, but it's the why. Like, why do you want to eat more healthy? And I need you to understand some of the whys of why I might choose this or why I might exercise like that or why might I prioritize sleep so that when it gets harder to do some of those things at some point in life, I have my why to fall back on. I want to be healthier because of this reason. I know that I should choose these foods because I actually understand why, as opposed to, well, my trainer told me to eat chicken and rice and broccoli every day. I'm really (laughs) tired of that. And it's Christmas time. I'd like to eat some cookies, you know? And so for me, that's where I see in my life when people start to understand that that gives me the biggest fulfillment.
1: So understanding and starting to be able to think through it themselves Mm -hmm. and not just need to be directed like a mule, but just understanding the why behind. Mm -hmm. I I think that's awesome. And understanding their body better. Absolutely. Um, And then if somebody wanted to make a change and you're going to tell them three things to change, what are the top three things for, towards a healthier life? What would they be? I, this super easy
2: right now, especially with, with this whole COVID epidemic going on for me is, is just eat, move, sleep. That's it. It, You know, mass, we can delve into much deeper aspects on a million different things. I think i at least listened to, you know, your, one of your podcasts as was driving across the country the other day. And it's just, I could do a whole show on that yeah could do a whole show on that and, and you know that too, and there's just a million different things that we could more specifically get into, but to keep it super simple right now, like if someone's going to make healthier choices for eating right now, your immune system's going to work better what's important right now is your immune system will you probably lose some weight if you do yeah, quite possibly that's that's one of the outcomes so let's be healthier and as your body and your hormones function better like you'll probably end up losing a little bit of weight. Moving, same thing. We've got to get that body moving, your lymph system doesn't work unless you move. There's so many great other aspects to moving. And then getting that sleep is extremely important too. And I'm sure we could do yeah. probably five episodes in a row on that
1: one. Yeah. Now for people in our space, there's been this giant elephant in the room that hasn't been addressed. Mm-hmm. And so I have a question, does wearing a mask improve your immune system? And I'm not against wearing a mask. Wear your damn masks. Help protect other people. But does that improve your immune system? No. Does uh, hand sanitizing 11 times a day, does that improve your immune system? Not at all. Does standing six feet apart improve your immune nope. system? Si- so there's nothing, I want everybody to follow these. I'm, I'm for that. But nobody has addressed a single thing in the broader media of how do you improve your chances of not contracting the virus? And it's by improving your immune system.
2: Absolutely, or recovering from the virus when you get it. I like yeah. to, I think I mentioned this to you on the phone the other day, I like to compare masks to a you know, firewall. And we have this cool building that we're in right now, and there's a firewall right there. And what's the firewall designed to do? Slow down the fire. Slow down the fire so that you, me, and Joe can get out of here without burning to death if you know, this building catches on fire. And it's, a mask is designed, or, or at least that's the, kind of the concept behind a mask. Obviously there are some that, that work better than others and so forth, but it's not going to stop the virus. It, it's it's going to slow it down, hopefully hinder it in some way. And there's a great chance as, uh, as you're coming into contact with millions and billions and trillions of viruses every single day that, yeah. that at some point, one of them might be COVID-19. Yeah. So if your immune system is functioning optimally, then guess what? you're probably going to be one of those asymptomatic carriers. And that's what we all, that's like our goal, right? Hey, I got it. I didn't even notice anything
1: which is part of why it's still important to wear masks. So so I'm not against any of that stuff. I just can't believe to date, since this thing really blew up in March, not one person has gotten in front of a news camera and said anything about increasing your immune system.
2: And a lot of people say you can't boost your immune system or not become obese or deal with your diabetes or all these pre-existing conditions that are really the things that are killing people. But you can't do that fast. Didn't COVID-19 start like six months ago? <laughs> like, <laughs> If we've been doing a lot of these things for yeah. the last six months while we've been like sheltering at home, think about how much healthier people would actually be and we could actually resume a much more normal life, just like all the other viruses that we come into contact with yeah. every single day.
1: Yeah. So just to be super clear for my, for my listeners, wear your masks. Absolutely. Do the hand sanitizer. Do the social distancing. I'm not against that. Wash your hands. Anyway. But also do something to improve your immune system so you stand a greater chance if you do come in contact with the virus. And that's the missing piece that's been frustrating me.
2: Absolutely. If we don't have all of these other things that are taxing our immune system every single day and and it's worn out and and then COVID gets in there, then guess what's going to happen? I'm going to be the person that gets really sick. And these are the people that that have the much higher mortality rates.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's not to say a perfectly healthy individual couldn't still have, you just never know, but we can certainly increase the odds um, if we take care of our bodies, which is the whole point of what we do. Absolutely. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming all the way from Texas, just for my show. I know that's not why you drove all the way from (laughs) Texas, but thanks for joining us. Uh, It's been great uh, working with you in the past. You've been a good uh, mentor leader. You have so much knowledge and I appreciate you sharing it with us.
2: Thanks. It was a pleasure to come and love to be back anytime.
1: Awesome. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you got a lot of value out of today's episode. If you did, uh, go check us out at firewithinnf.com. You can subscribe to our newsletters and make sure you never miss an episode or any other content. Also be sure to follow us on social media.